from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Company. Five o'clock hours here, about an hour away from the uh, puck dropping over at the Fortress. Full house. It's going to be freaking nutty. Everyone's going to go uh, ape, you know what? Adam Candy's here at Silver 7's. We're uh, just across the way. Uh, Flamingo and Paradise, you can come over here and watch the game if you're not getting into the Fortress. 77 cent Bud Light bottles. During the game, you got two bars to hang out at. You can bet the game at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. Number five. More quarterback rumors? Eh, sort of. It's being driven in the Denver market that now Deshaun Watson wants to go to Denver. On a recent podcast, Kareem Jackson talking to Akib Talib said uh, he's got sources. I got a great relationship with Deshaun. I've been talking to him the last couple of weeks, man. And he like, that's where I want to be. I'm like, man. You see the setup, the line straight. He see the setup. He he like, man, listen, that's why I, he like, I want to be in Denver. Hmm. Can you see it, Candy? You see why Deshaun Watson, if he is cleared of all these allegations and can play this year, why he'd want to be in Denver? Does my 75 to 1 ticket on the Broncos from when these trade rumors first started tell you anything? <laughs> yeah, uh, I know why he wants to be in Denver because this team is a quarterback away from being a playoff contender. But, I mean, if I'm Deshaun Watson right now, I, I don't know. I just want to be anywhere other than where I am because nothing could be much worse than his current predicament. During the time while I was going through, you know, my little free agency thing and, and I end up signing back here. Before I signed, he called, he was like, man, are you going to sign? I was like, I don't know. I ain't sure yet. He was like, well, let me know what you're going to do, whatever, whatever. And I signed back. He was like, listen, man, tell him that I, I want to be in Denver. So I'm like, hey, man. <laughs> that was great. That was, that, was a good way to, that was a good way to end the clip. Uh, now, there is the Denver side. This is a thorny situation. And... I was reading uh, a comment from one Broncos insider who said, hey, this is going to be a tough decision. This isn't going to just be the new GM, George Payton, signing off on this. This will have to go all the way to the top where they're going to need ownership approval. Candy, you want to fill in people in Denver or actually in Vegas about the Denver ownership situation? Why saying it's going to need ownership approval is also kind of thorny because of their ownership situation. Um, Can I sum it up shortly this way? Who the hell owns the team? Right. That's <laughs> That's pretty much it. Uh, uh, this is interesting. Like, this is almost like like uh, someone started dating another person and then found out along the way, like, ooh, I'm not so sure about uh, some of the things I've learned. And, and then, oh, my gosh, they went out one night expecting nothing, and they met someone else. And it was Aaron Rodgers. And, and, oh, my God, this is attractive. How do you go back and tell uh, Deshaun Watson, who you were trying to date before, like, ooh, uh, <laughs> about that? Um, I met someone. Uh, he's, he's really smart. He hosts Jeopardy. Um, <laughs> and he totally isn't in trouble with the law. I like that last line. 
That's is that the way you let them off? The dose of reality. Well, you, you kind of like with the law. You kind of you kind of work on the inoculation theory. Like you put a little bit in, a little bit in, then you, you can get to the big stuff later. Number four. One of the big stories of the day is uh, college football powers considering expanding the college football playoff. Like it's really happening now. It doesn't mean it's close, but like there's an actual proposal. Six teams, highest ranked teams uh, from conference champions, six at large, 12 team tournament, top four teams, the rankings, get a bye, and then you play five to 12 at the home sites. Obviously, I'm fired up about it. I want to see a real college football playoff. I want to see more kids get a chance. It's certainly fun for sports fans. But then, Candy, that thorny issue that we uh, talk about often on this show, boy, the players do a lot for very little, while the college football powers that be make a lot of money. And I saw uh, people tweeting out, hey, these are my concerns. Bomani Jones responded with, concern number one, more money on the backs of the unpaid labor. It's morally indefensible. Can you counter that with, we're working on it? Are we far enough along with the NIL that people would be comfortable with the the next level situation in terms of compensation where you could deal with more games and players having to go the extra mile to compete for a championship? Oh, no, not even close. I mean, like that that's a drop in the bucket when it comes to what the value of the labor provided by Power 5 football players really is. And, of course, when we talk about name, image, and likeness, we're still talking about, at the beginning of this at the very least, only the most prominent of players being able to truly take advantage of this. So, yeah, name, image, and likeness is a great start to things. But from the angle that Bomani Jones is coming from, what did I talk about earlier in the show? And by the way, Carl, bad example with Madison, Wisconsin. I'm sorry, but yes, we are talking about creating a real economy around college football, and that is not what exists in any way right now. And that is correct. We are going to put a ton more money into this thing without any way to distribute it to the workers who are creating the product. Yeah, that's a problem. It is, is it an exacerbation of a problem we already had? Yes, it is just a bigger problem. But the problem that we have in solving it is that it's not like the players have unionization or any sort of collective bargaining or any real say to where they could hold out to speak up for themselves and say, oh, no, you know what? No, we're not doing this. We're, you know, we're, there's no way we're, we're playing these extra games to get into a playoff. The timing of this is also kind of hilarious because it was just uh, yesterday where NIL was being discussed at a congressional hearing, and Mark Emmert, the president of the NCAA, basically was like, we ain't got any money. The NCAA, we, we got no money. We got nothing. And now the next day they're like, okay, how many more billions of dollars can you make a year with an expanded playoff system? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure if Mark Emmert is a human being or just a large <laughs> gathering of rats inside a skin-like organism, but wow. it certainly seemed like it yesterday. Number three. Tell us what you really think, please. Uh, preseason schedule is set across the NFL. Raiders are not involved in any of these primetime games, but uh, their times are set for just three, just three exhibition practice preseason games. And the first one, you know, we knew the date. Seattle will be here. Raiders will host a 6 o'clock start. I was reading Eastern time. 6 o'clock start on Saturday, August 14th. 
Pretty cool. And it's going to be one of the it'll, – it'll be the most nutty atmosphere that week for anywhere around the country for a preseason game. No one's been allowed in the stadium. If you think about all the factors that come together for this, no one's been able to go to a Raider game at the stadium, which means no one's been able to go to a Raider game, period, for this amount of time, an actual Raider game, not a road game. And then you go on top of that with the idea of this being the first time Vegas fans – will ever get to be at an NFL game in their own city. Like, I don't think it's hyperbole or sports radio jock talk to say, this is going to be the craziest preseason game in history. Oh, it's going to be nuts. Totally nuts. August 21st, Vegas is at the Rams. And, hey, how cool is that for Raiders fans in the L.A. area, in the SoCal area, right? Go see your Raiders in that brand-new stadium, SoFi. And then the final game, just the three games. Uh, Vegas will be on the road. Raiders will be at San Fran in a 1 o'clock start. And, by the way, the uh, Saturday game the week before, 7 o'clock start. So the schedule is out there. we got new stadiums opening up where uh, fans can actually get in. Good times around the National Football League. Top two stories. Number two. Ooh. Do I open this, this pussy wound that I thought the scab had just kind of covered everything up? which uh, means I'm describing two different kinds of wounds there. Uh, but my point is, do we get back into what happened last year with Leonard and Flurry, and how the town was divided? Chris Matthews, Mr. Scoop, Channel 8, he went there. He said, remember when the Knights owner, Bill Foley, told us he demanded Marc-Andre Fleury stay in Vegas? How's that working out? Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good, Candy. Goes to show what we all know about goaltenders, which is nothing. <laughs> year to year, we know nothing. Um, randomness affects goaltenders more than any other place on the ice. And it is smart in this sense. If you have two really good ones, odds are at least one of them is going to be really good in that particular year. And here we are. Marc-Andre Fleury played at a Vezina level. He's nominated for the Vesna Trophy is the best goalie in the league. It's going to be him or Andre Vasilevsky who wins it. So Marc-Andre Fleury has been that great all year long, and you know what he was last year? Terrible. He was terrible. And so having the two goalies around, you want to make it work with the cap gymnastics with having $12 million and then go into the biggest game of the season against the Colorado Avalanche in the regular season with 15 skaters because of the gymnastics you have to work with your cap? Okay. Here you are. You're 3-2 over the Colorado Avalanche at this point of the year. Obviously, it worked. And last year, it got a bit dicey. Um, listen, and maybe the agent did it on his own. Maybe Flurry, you know, kind of relayed his frustration to the agent. He had the dagger through the back, which was kind of ridiculous and childish. I, I, I will give credit. I think everyone has to, to Robin Leonard and the way he's handled this. And even in the small snippets that we see of him during the playoffs, he's been completely supportive. He's throwing his hat on the ice during hat tricks. I saw him the other day. He was doing the crowds, crowds doing the wave. He's doing the wave. So Leonard, as far as we know, has been a model citizen. And I'm sure he's disappointed, but he's been a productive guy for the team simply by being there and not complaining and not other, ruffling feathers. I mean, Steve, the other thing about Robin Leonard is he had a chance to play his way into more playing time. He had a yeah. chance to put himself in the discussion if Marc-Andre Fleury had a bad game, right? He had a chance to give himself that opportunity, and he went out there in game one and was awful. 
I mean, he was absolutely horrible. And so at this point, Robin Leonard has to sit back because in the chance that he was given, he performed terribly. It's different than Flurry last year in the game in the bubble against Dallas. Flurry actually went out there and played well for the Golden Knights in the one chance that he got. Robin Leonard was terrible. Number one. Well, Candy, you know it's all about chemistry. It's all about teamwork. It's all about character. And, you know, another prime example, Ryan Reeves comes back. And he's a healthy scratch in the last game, and Keegan Colasar is in there. And we haven't heard, you know, Ryan Reeves going crazy. What a leader. What a good guy. The bait, Steve Cofield, is tasty. Um, <laughs> look, let me, let me start with the things that need to be said oh, no. about Ryan Reeves. He has been a great person in the community pushing uh, – underprivileged children having the advantage of playing some street hockey and trying to make Las Vegas a better place all in all. I'm more than willing to give him that. But that scene in game one was classless. It was dangerous. And it was the 180 degree opposite of leadership. Pete DeBoer out here praising the leadership because he didn't raise a stink when he was scratched. Newsflash, Polisar is better. Patrick Brown is better. Ryan Reeves has been one of the least productive hockey players for the Golden Knights all year long. And so, from that perspective, he should sit when he needs to sit. There shouldn't be a guarantee that Ryan Reeves starts every game. Now, the other piece of this equation is the idea of talking about leadership. Why was he out in the first place? Is it leadership to go up behind a guy when you're the big, tough guy enforcer. You're the one supposed to be out there dropping the gloves and protecting your team. Well, it takes a real tough man to go up behind the guy that you're trying to enforce it with. Grab him from behind, drag him down to the ice, stick your knee on his head and drive it into the ice, rip his hair out of his helmet, out of his head, and you want to call that guy a leader? What is wrong with a franchise that's willing to say that about that human being? That's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous that you would attach the word leadership to Ryan Reeves. You know why he's out of the lineup? Because they got to see that this team played better in the two games where he was suspended, where that fourth line functioned better. And the NBC crew has been talking about how well the fourth line has played. That's not about Ryan Reeves. Stop it. Leadership. The guy ended up on the sidelines because he made a goon move, and not even a real hockey goon move. He made a human goon move, going up behind Graves and taking him down. It's a bunch of crap. Yeah, for me, and I think for DeBoer, it's now about trust. Um, when that's fresh in your mind that you, know, you, you kind of lose yourself that much, as Reeves did, this series is all about discipline. And we've seen how important the power play has been or, you know, key mistakes with penalties have been. You know, it, it cost him a chance uh, to win a game in overtime in game two. And, you know, and Ryan Reeves has a long track record, but as a coach, it would be fresh in my mind. Like, hey, if I put Ryan out there and he does make one of these mistakes and, you know, we got another tight game and that's, that's what cost us, I just I can't do it. They're playing disciplined hockey right now. And his moments, Reeves' moments of being undisciplined, are just too risky. Uh, setting up this game again, 6 o'clock start over on Fox Sports Las Vegas. 
It's the Avs trying to stave off elimination. Your Vegas Golden Knights trying to move on to the next series against the Montreal Canadiens. You know, it's funny. The the more the Knights succeed, the further they advance in the playoff, the same old bugaboo narrative keeps coming up, and that is the expansion draft and how easy it's been for the Vegas Golden Knights. Jonathan Marchessault so talked to ESPN, and what was he saying about the whole expansion thing? In this interview, he basically said, what, you guys think the expansion draft was rigged? He said, everybody could look at our team on paper, even after the expansion draft, and say this roster sucked. Right. He was honest about it. Wasn't, and- the, wasn't the point total over under the first year like 62? And, in, a full, in a full season. Yes. And in addition to that, I remember very clearly that ESPN.com's power rankings with the entire roster that George McPhee put together had the Golden Knights power ranked last in the league. Right. None of us were that smart. Come on. Right. None of us were that everyone, smart. Everyone knew. They could see the expansion draft. Set them up. It was so easy. Well, then, then why were expectations so low? And, and you know what? I'll... I'll take this one one more time as someone who's lived here since 1989. Fans around the NHL or anyone who wants to whine about, oh, Vegas fans didn't even have to wait. That team won as soon as they got there. Right. As soon as they got there. Do you know how many years we lived here without any professional sports? Our wait was to have a team in the first place. Our wait was to have a team to root for overall. You don't have to suffer and lose for 10 years to be qualified. We suffered from not having a team. We suffered from being used by Major League Baseball, by the NBA, by anyone who wanted to leverage Las Vegas as a way to get a new stadium someplace else. And then we got Bill Foley, who came and said, yeah, I'll spend the money. And then you got the NHL, who said, yeah, why not Vegas? And that's how we ended up where we are now. And I love the story of the Misfit line, you know, surviving all of the changes in the organization and at times not being as productive as people thought they should be during the season and now they're blowing up they've been they've been great it has been easy to watch that line whether you're a hockey fan or not it's been very very easy to watch the golden knights second line and say it's the best line on the ice multiple nights and if you go back go all the way back to 2017 2018 the original misfits that made the stanley cup final George McPhee could not have been any clearer after the season in calling out the underperformance of his second line. He made clear that Halla and Tuck and the guys that were playing with the twos just weren't getting the job done. And what did he do over the course of the next two years? He made it so he doesn't have a second line. He made it so he has two first lines. I mean, come on. Marcia Carlson, and Smith were good enough to win a game in the Stanley Cup Finals in their first season. They were that line that everyone was scared of. Just because you got Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, and Chandler Stevenson, and by the way, Chandler Stevenson wasn't thought of that way before he got here, but he's been a great fit. That was the line you were worried about. So the idea of the misfits and, you know, the fact that we're almost four years into this thing and we could talk about, hey, remember the old days when it was the misfits? That's kind of fun. Like, we have enough history now that we can talk about that. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. The phone lines are open and we want to hear from you. Call 702-364-1100 and tell us what's on your mind. 
Estrela de Morte, André Flores, sigue de Schuss, quien está buscando la complicidad. Ahí está Ryan Graves, saca el disparo, Graves, uno más de Graves, bloqueado, y ahora es, viene a toda velocidad, este es Mike Stone, Graves! Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver Sevens with Cofield and Company. That's awesome. Jesus, Spanish side of the uh, broadcast for the Golden Knights. Mark Stone, that was a really, really cool moment. It got a little bit of a woo out of me as I was uh, watching the game at home. Really cool, especially the, the range of emotions, Candy, and that overtime when the abs come down and like instantly bang, bang, right at Flurry. Flurry makes the key saves. Uh, Comfort couldn't, uh, couldn't shut the door. And uh, was was not great with his location on his attempt. And then a couple of block shots. Puck comes out. Stone just fast enough, just fast enough to uh, outskate a couple of defenders. And he got the job done against Grubauer. That was a cool moment for Mark Stone. Good for him. Who is the person you expect or you hope steps up tonight? We got our signature moment, right? Mark Stone gets the breakaway goal, and we've been talking for a while over in uh, Bischoff Candy Hockey Analytics Corner about the fact that Mark Stone had been good but not great in the playoffs. He hadn't been nearly the equal of a top-line guy the way that the Colorado guys had. Um, and yet we're still kind of talking about the Colorado defenseman, right? Kale McCarr has been a wizard. And then they have Devon Tays and they have Samuel Girard, too. And really, they have the defensemen that are the ones that have made some really exciting plays. And the one we really haven't talked about yet is the one that we've been kind of waiting for all year long. It's Alex Petrangelo. Uh, the other reason, from what we talked about earlier with the cap trouble that the Golden Knights have been in all year, the reason for that is Alex Petrangelo. The reason for that is going out and signing the top free agent defenseman on the market, the guy who's supposed to upgrade your offense from Nate Schmidt, hasn't really been there for Alex Petrangelo the same way that I think even he would have expected throughout the course of this year. So where is our signature Alex Petrangelo moment? Where's the moment where we get the kind of play we saw out of Mark Stone from an Alex Petrangelo? He came close the other night. He did. He had one of those dangle it through everyone moments in the zone and then ultimately couldn't put it away. But Close doesn't count for this team. And when you are the guy, when you are the reason that this team played with 15 skaters in the most important regular season game of the year, because the goaltending situation you were trying to work out to solve the Petrangelo situation, you just couldn't. When you're that guy, then it's time to see it. You were the captain of a Stanley Cup winning hockey team. The captain. And you've walked in here and you have the A on your chest. For three years, the A was enough to be the top voice of leadership on the Golden Knights team. Pete DeBoer decided to change it and give the natural guy, Mark Stone, the C. And Mark Stone acts like the captain of the Golden Knights. But it's time to see it from Alex Petrangelo. And no night would be better than tonight when the Golden Knights need someone else to step forward and show that they can be the team that wins four consecutive games against the best team in the NHL. Still plenty of seats down here at the Corona Cantina, also across the way at the Silver and Gold Bar, over by the William Hill Racing Sportsbook. Here is Silver Sevens. It's Flamingo in Paradise. Great spot to watch sports. And tonight, and this was the case all year long, 
Uh, during Vegas Golden Knights games, they've got 77-cent Bud Light bottles. 70-cent or 77-cent Bud Light bottles. So get on down here. Get your seat. The book is right here. Great place to watch the game tonight. It's Silver Sevens with Cofield and company on the way back. We go up to Denver. We'll get the Colorado perspective as uh, Justin Adams does TV, uh, follows the scene, the Denver sports scene for the CBS affiliate. And he's going to fill us in on the, the mood right now going into this do-or-die game for the Avalanche. With 77-cent Bud Light bottles, Golden Knights hockey game nights are great at Silver Sevens Hotel and Casino. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver Sevens with Cofield and Company. Game six on the way. Golden Knights puck drop in less than 45 minutes. Let's get the Denver side of things as the Avalanche up against it here. Justin Adams does TV for CBS. Sports guy in Denver. Give me the mood of Denver right now, Justin. Around the Avs, is it fans depressed or still somewhat hopeful? I think you described it very well. Depressing. I can't think of any word. Probably gut-riching. Um, I'm trying to think of all the different words that we could use for how Avs fans feel. And I would actually say shock is more of the word because you're talking about a team that was up 2-0 in a series. With about five minutes to go in game three, you were leading by one. And the thought really was, okay, this team, even though they're, they're really not looking like the better team um, on the ice right now, it should be up 3-0. And then you go to game five, and you're like, okay, we're well, up 2 nothing. And then two turnovers later, and then you lose in overtime, and you're like, what the heck is going on? So right now, it's really a state of disbelief right now for all ass fans. So for you, though, what was the biggest narrative of game five? Was it, hey, VGK broke out? In the third period, or a lot of people looking at the Avs like, man, you guys let down. Because you mentioned the mistakes. The mistakes are inexcusable, and the Golden Knights took advantage of it. So which one is it? Avs gave the game away. And give the Vegas, give the Golden Knights all the credit for doing what they had to do in order to win the game, right? I mean, you're when you're down 2 nothing on the road, you're looking for anything that will help you get back into the game. And that's exactly what they got. Literally a minute into the third period, you got a turnover, you got a goal. Three minutes later, you got another turnover. You got a goal. And so, and then even in overtime, right? Avs are attacking. Shouldn't have took a shot. I believe it was Ryan Graves who took the shot. And at that turn up into a turnover and a breakaway opportunity, and you lose the game. So, really, it's the Avs looking at themselves and knowing that they shot themselves in the foot. Uh, you mentioned some of the guys who made some mistakes. I'll tell you one of the – and, again, I don't like to freaking point out someone to go after for fans, but uh, one of the guys who's really frustrating for the Avs is Burakovsky. Uh, he made a terrible mistake a couple of games ago by, you know, dragging down Tuck and drawing a penalty. And then the turnover uh, in Game 5, I mean, that's that stuff is rough. I don't know I don't know what he's been like all year, but those are some rough moments for that guy. He's been a lot better than he's played right now. I mean, he's one of the guys you have on the second line. I mean, he's not a bad player, but it just shows that when you're playing against a team that is – um, on par with you on a talent perspective or even better than you, to be very honest with you, that your margin for error is so low. I mean, you look at the first two games of the series and you throw away game one because you didn't have, um, you know, you have your, your goaltender net. So we get that. You didn't have Flurry in there. But after that, you look at game two and literally the ice was tilted the way of the Golden Knights. It was just that what happened in overtime, a penalty. And then Renton was able to get a score to end it all. From there, it's been whenever the Avs made a mistake, the Golden Knights have took advantage. So it's not just Burakovsky. Honestly, it's everybody. I mean, here's, here's my main thing, Steve. 
when was the last time you heard of uh, Nathan McKinnon? Like when, when was the last time you heard Nathan McKinnon do anything here, right? It's been like quiet. He's up for the Hart Trophy, right? For the MVP Trophy, right? Yeah. When was the last time you heard anything from him? Has he done anything in this series? I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen any goals um, other than game one. That's my issue that I have in this series is that when you talk about game six, your big-time players have to step up, and it's not happening right now. The game is on the way this evening. It's over on our sister station, Fox Sports 1340 and 98.9 FM. We're talking to uh, Denver TV star, CBS affiliate. Justin Adams is up here on Cofield and Company. You know, it's interesting you mentioned McKinnon. I saw, I think it was Mark Kisla in the paper, like really went after the Avs and especially McKinnon, and I thought I saw in the headline, choke, um, it's interesting when a, a star player like that, like a superstar player, becomes the goat, the wrong kind of goat. Um, mm-hmm. Does does a lot of the, do a lot of the fans in the city feel that way right now about McKinnon? Have they kind of turned on him? I think a lot of the fans feel like that tonight he's going to have a great game. I think a lot of fans feel like he's going to have that breakout performance in this series because we've seen it before. We've seen it in every other series that he had in the playoffs that he has showed up and he has played well. But the reality is, is when you're playing against a team that honestly in the Golden Knights, hell, you get by the Avs tonight, pretty much you should be in the driver's seat to win the cup. Um, When you're playing against a team like that, you have to have your superstars show up. And for one reason or another, it's not happening right now. And so if the Avs are going to have any shot tonight in a very tough place to play at T-Mobile Arena, you got to have your superstars show up. How do the fans there look at Marc-Andre Fleury? Hmm. Um, then a brick brick wall, pretty much. Is that it? Um, brick house. I believe that's what you would describe a young lady. Um, I mean, he is uh, he, he's amazing. He's making things tough for the apps. And it's, you know what? This is the epitome of, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Patrick Wall. I'm not saying Andre Fleury is Patrick Wall, but it just reminds me of how he could take you out of a series. And we have a Hall of Fame goaltender where you can't get the puck past him, and you have chance after chance, and you can't get it past him. It just shows that, again, when you make that one mistake, it's fatal for your team. Justin Adams with us in Denver. So frustrating time. You know, it's cool to be in playoffs or in the playoffs, it's, but it's got to be a frustrating time right now for fans because you're looking at an Avs team you thought was going to win, was in the driver's seat, and then there's the Nuggets. Um, and the Nuggets do have the excuse they are beat up and Jamal Murray is out, but – what do you think of how the series has gone so far? Because last night was not great. No, last night was a great game. One was a great, to be honest with you. Um, and to be honest, whenever your starting backcourt can't score, then there lies your issue right there. And when they're not scoring, there's your issue. And so that's the reason why that they're struggling the way that they are right now. Look, people want to look at Nikola Jokic and say, okay, well, you're the MVP. You should single-handedly be able to take on this team. You should be able to single-handedly do all these different things. And the reality is, is you can't. You can't be able to do so. Um, when you're starting backcourt, won't even give you a shot. I mean, Monte Morris doesn't have many points. I think he has, what, four field goals in the series so far. Um, Faku Campasso, which is a guy that, to be brutally honest, should be not even playing in the playoffs, right, if you have everybody healthy. Um He's starting for you right now, giving you 30 minutes and no points, really. Um, who else out there? Austin Rivers played amazing against the Portland Trail Blazers. Now he's playing like literally the coach's son who needs to be on the bench. So we need to figure out what's going on. And the only thing that's going to happen is hopefully Will Barton can play better because he's coming back from a hamstring injury. And somehow, some way, maybe, and I mean just maybe, you are able to pray that P.J. Dozer can come back. But I'll tell you this, Steve. I heard that you could play basketball pretty well. So if you could know how to put the ball in the bucket, 
Go call the Nuggets. Yeah. They can use you. I can shoot it. I don't know if I can put it in the basket at this age, but I can shoot it. I'll get, I'll get some shots off. How big for the city, how big for the uh, region was the Jokic MVP? Um, I don't think we're, we're talking about it enough. From a national perspective, I'm not surprised because I'm not going to go and assault anybody by saying that they don't watch the games. But they don't watch, they, the, they games. Don't watch the games. And if they did, then they will understand exactly what this guy all about. And look, he's unorthodox because we get so used to the YouTube highlights and all these dunks and guys with great athleticism and all this other stuff. I 100% understand it. But we're not used to a guy who can't jump higher than the curb, to be honest with you. I mean, if it was you and I and Jokic jumping right now and there was a penny on the ground, we would clear the penny. Jokic would trip and fall on his face, okay? So we've got Justin Adams on with us, CBS in Denver. Last couple of things to close on. One, you know, we were talking about McKinnon just a couple minutes ago and the pressure on him and people were kind of coming at him. I did see that he's got a, a condo up for sale at some ex- really exclusive spot for like three and a half million dollars. He's an unrestricted free agent. Is he just looking to upgrade somewhere else in town, or is this a sign that he may be leaving town? You know what? Hopefully it's a sign of him upgrading, but you know what the reality is? If you lose for the third straight year in the second round, you will have, you will have to take a second look on, is this team going in the right direction? Mm. And I know we talk about all the predictions and all the projections that this team is supposed to win the, the Stanley Cup Finals. You, you can look around the roster and say, oh, they have plenty of guys who are great at what they do and that you have a great supporting cast. But at the end of the day, if you can't get past the second round, then either there's a coaching change or there might be a roster change. And so the Avalanche don't want to let him go at all. And uh, But the reality is, as we know about just sports, you never say never to anything. So let's close with a prediction. I think the Avs actually have a shot to get this mm-hmm. game tonight and win a game seven. I don't want to see that happen as a Vegas guy. Right. Where are you right now from a confidence standpoint? Are we going to see a game seven? Confidence is as low as ever with this team right now. Um, you lost three games in a row, especially the way that you lost, especially game five. Like That's the tough one for me. But with all that being said, it's tough to see this team lose four games in a row. The top type of talent that you have, for this team to lose four games in a row is tough to believe. I say the Avs do win game six in a very, very close, tightly contested game, and they come back home in game seven. And you know what? Anything can happen in game seven. I'm not going to make a prediction there, (laughs) but I will say Avs tonight, they will win in game six. Justin, thank you so much. That was great. Steve, as always, I appreciate you, my friend. Great spot there with Justin Adams. He's on CBS TV in Denver. Golden Knights puck drop in less than 25 minutes. If you want to hear some hardcore hockey breakdown, the pregame, Ryan the Hockey Guy is live on Fox Sports Las Vegas. That's 1340 AM and 98.9 FM. When we come back, we'll talk about Kemba Walker of the Celtics. Sounds like he wants out of Boston. Does Adam Candy want Kemba to come home and join his Knicks? Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Weird times, baby. Weird times. Update in the NBA. That big lead that the Bucks blew out to at the start. Two-point game now, Candy. 44-42. Bucks on top. Giannis, 16. Chris Middleton signing in a big way. Sighting in a big way. 19 points. On the other side, 
Uh, KD with only seven. So Bucks doing what they need to do, at least to have a lead in this game. They're laying three and a half, so we'll see what happens the rest of the way. Stick your hand in there, Dave. It looks like Kemba Walker wants out of Boston. I think they were trying to work on a deal. There were reports that he was offered to San, San Diego, San Antonio during the season. New York guy. I've seen people saying that uh, he's going to the Knicks. You're a Knicks fan. Do you want Kemba? Hell no. <laughs> that would be the worst idea this team could come up with with where they are right now. Think about the situation for the New York Knicks. Young core. You added Derrick Rose in, get a little veteran leadership, and this is a good season. I love people clowning me over the Knicks losing in five in the first round. I didn't think the Knicks would be near the eighth seed this year. I was just happy to be there. So now you take Kemba Walker, who is on the wrong side of 30, right, heading toward the downside. He is to make $36 million next year. He has a player option for $37 million the following year. And what's been the problem in New York forever? They screw the cap up, and then they have to trade all their draft picks to get people to take their contracts, to get other teams to make them whole again after they get out of their mess. What do they have on the cap for next year? $20 million on Julius Randle, and they're probably going to have to pay Julius Randle at the end of that season. you got R.J. Barrett for two more years. you got Emmanuel Quickly for three. But in the end, they really don't have much left on this cap. Oh, by the way, fun note, uh, they'll be paying Joe Kim Noah $6.4 million this coming season after they had to stretch that contract out. But you don't bring in a guy on the downside where you're dreaming of the talent that he used to have coming off an injured season in Kemba Walker to add to this mix, a guy who has to have the ball in his hands. His assist rate is down the past two years. His usage rate is down the past two years because the Celtics know that they needed to diversify away from Kemba Walker. So, no, that's the wrong move for the Knicks. All I heard there were lots of malicious facts. I don't get why you don't like Kemba Walker. I don't think you proved your point. Move on. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Just ridiculous on your part. Uh, I'm kidding. Uh, Looks like these are the lines for tonight's game. On the night side, Adam Candy, Patches, Stevenson Stone, Marshy, Carlson Smith, Janmark, Wah, Tuck, Carrier, Colasar, and Pat Ryan Reeves. No Patrick Brown. Reeves is back in, baby. Apparently, Pete DeBoer has decided to put the intimidation line out there. That's it. They're trying to intimidate the other team. The Avalanche are going to be terrified to have to go against that line. I feel like your your, threat tongue in cheek. Ryan Reeves is out there. Not only is the threat of them getting, uh, was it, oh, that's right, grabbed from behind and pulled down to the ice out there. But they wow. also have to, they have to fear his leadership. His leadership might show up in a big way in this game. You're really down on Mr. Reeves. So join a lot of the fans because they're, they're frustrated with Ryan Reeves. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Quick betting update just in general before I get to the numbers on this game. I saw a legal sports report tweeted out some deal in Pennsylvania. Did um, legendary South Philly joint Chicken and Pete's. Uh, via Parks Casino, try to take or you know get get approval to have a book or whatever a kiosk at their at their place, and they got turned down. Well, I appreciate the mention of LegalSportsReport.com, yes. uh, where I, I pay my bills. But uh, the interesting <laughs> part about this deal is that yeah, Chicken Pete's, uh, home of the crab fries, wanted to put 
a sports book essentially in there. Yeah, I saw you, Ari. It has anything other than salt on the fries, so I'm sure there was no chance it was going to work out. Um, the great and- thing is, a Phil- as a Philly area guy, which is really not, they're like, there's scant crab taste on their fries. Oh no, 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 no! no. It's just seasoning, right? Yes, that's what we talk about when we talk about chicken. Ari, Ari just writes it off right away. Of course he does. Unbelievable. Mr. Green Peppers on the pizza. So, yeah, the funny part about this is they get turned down because of zoning laws. Like, oh, hey, we don't want a sports book here. We don't want a sports book right here. And meanwhile, everyone around Pennsylvania is like, you realize that I can bet on my phone. In fact, one of the legislators was like, people can bet in church if they want to bet in church. Like. The sports book is everywhere. It's been everywhere. You've had a pretty successful go of it in Pennsylvania, so I don't think the zoning board will be saving everyone from sports books. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Update on how the split is going in both Colorado and Nevada. This is from Superbook. They're in both states. Here, dollars wagered on this game tonight. Avs have a 54% advantage to the Knights at 46%. 46%. Ticket count 67 to 33 in favor of the Knights. In Colorado, dollars wagered, you ready for this one? 91% on the Avs, just 9% for the Knights. Number of tickets, Avs tickets 81% to Knights 19. My and, god. And this is why we talk about you dumbass need to have sports books in your state to make tax revenue because yes. people just want to bet on their team, man. They just want to be able to bet on their team. When when the sports books first opened in Iowa, you know who the biggest liability they had on the Heisman Trophy was, was a couple of years ago? It was Blake Martinez from Nebraska because people wanted to come over from oh Nebraska God. and bet on on Martinez. Uh. So like, you know, come on, man. Just put a sports book in your state. By the way, I love the split here, though, because the split here is the one that makes sense, right? Right. Split here, tickets on the Golden Knights, money on the Avalanche. Yeah, that's that's about right with where you think the public versus uh, Sharp smarter squares. action might be. Sharp squares. Sharp squares. Shaps. Right, Ari, say it with me. Shaps. Not Shaps. sharp. Not, not. Oh, that was good. Winners, that was good. winners, 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 winners. Coke and Tommy Will. Different, different accent, yes. Stick your hand in there, Dave. This is a big game. This is a big game. Hashtag analysis. Yes, Knights need to get this done. You do not want to go into a game seven. How big is it, though, Candy? Are we talking turning point in franchise history? Are we talking jobs on the line? Why is Pete DeBoer here? He's here to get the team farther then Gerard Gallant took them. Mm. Gerard Gallant took, took them to the Stanley Cup final, but then, of course, lost to the San Jose Sharks, coached by Pete DeBoer. So what is it if you lose this series? You barely beat Minnesota, and then you lost to, uh, yeah, the best team in the NHL, but a team that at this point you have down on the ground, and you can stop them. Tonight's the night, because you can look at Game 5 of this series and say this is the turning point when this franchise went from good to great. You can absolutely say that if they continue to win this series against the Avalanche, and then they are going to be prohibitive favorites against Montreal, and they get to the cup final again, then you can say that that third period, when they were down two goals to the Avalanche, to the best team in hockey 
on the road in a game where they had been dominated, you can look and say that was the turning point in the Golden Knights winning a Stanley Cup in their fourth year in the NHL. And if they lose this series, it means, as Chris Farley used to say on Saturday Night Live as Matt Foley, Jack Squat. I don't think I completely agree from this standpoint. DeBoer has been an improvement. It's not all it's not all about what you do in the playoffs. They've also they're in a weird position this year. They while they benefited from the crap at the bottom of the division, they are stuck in a division with arguably one of the other top three teams in all of hockey. So I know we're gonna look at it if they can't get out of this this round and they're like, oh they you know, they lost in the second round. But I mean you gotta consider the competition too, don't you? I am considering the competition, but I'm also talking to the guy who has been the one to say you need you're to right. demand winning. Yeah, you're right. You need to demand winning. So Steve yes. Cofield, you need to have a conversation uh, with Stephen Cofield and uh, discuss the fact that winning is key. Just saw I just saw a glorious picture of Marshy skating around the ice. Oh, he looks good. I've softened up. It's all about just giving us good times. No, it's about winning. Knights need to get the job done tonight. We do not want to see a game seven. Silver seven's great spot. 77 cent Bud Light bottles. Come on down. Watch the game.